Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 22. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us over the last several months, you know we have been going verse by verse through the book of Revelation, beginning, of course, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. And it seems like a couple of months because, man, it went by quick. Here we are at the end of the book and the end of the Bible. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We'd like to run one to you. Raise it nice and high and we'll get it into your hands. The end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. Father, we love you today, and we love your word. And we pray that you would speak to us now. Lord, we give our full attention to it, our heart to the word, to hear what you have to say. And Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would reach down deep this morning and touch our hearts and our spirits And Father, help us to see and know and understand that the end is soon. And Lord, you're coming soon. And may we be serious about our Father's business, about the kingdom. You're coming soon to take us to our home in heaven. And Father, may we be serious about that and telling other people that they can go there too. They would repent and believe. So work in us now. In Jesus' name we pray. All the saints of God agree and said a hearty. Amen. Amen. If you were here last week, you know that we took a look at, and let me just say a detailed look at, the new heaven and the new earth. And part of that brand new heaven and part of that brand new earth included a bright new city. This bright new city is called the New Jerusalem. And this bright new city is incredible. It's awesome. It's 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. It's huge. It's humongous. It's enormous. And not only is it 1,500 miles cubed, but it is also 1,500 miles high. Man, this is an incredible, incredible city, approximately 3 billion square miles. There can be a lot of people in heaven. That's why Jesus could say and has said, whosoever will, anybody, let them come. There's room for you in heaven. There's plenty of room. So we took a look at that. And this city, this bright new city, this beautiful city has 12 levels and 12 gates 
and beautiful stones and gold streets and its walls are made of diamond. And this city John saw coming down from the heavens, hovering over the earth. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. Now, remember, I gave you the outline of chapter 21. We talked about the first part of that outline, a brand new world, a brand new world. The first part and the second part of this outline of chapter 21, a bright new city, a brand new world and a bright new city. Well, this morning, God takes John inside this new Jerusalem and he shows them around in chapter 22 as we continue with this bright new city. Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. If you're there, let me hear you say a hearty amen. amen. And he showed me, he the angel, back in tw- chapter 21. He showed me, John, a pure river of water of life. Underline that. Clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb of God. And in the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, underline that, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God shall be in it and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Can you imagine we're going to see his face? Face to face with Jesus. And his name will be on their foreheads, and there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign for a short period of time. Is that what it says? Oh, let me hear you. Is that what it says? And they shall reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Now, give me your attention. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible opens with God on the scene. Oh, you know the verse in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God is on the scene, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. And notice here in Revelation chapter 22, in the end, God is on the scene. In the end, in the beginning, he's on the scene. In the end, he's on the scene. He's in full control. History, human history began in the Garden of Eden in Genesis And human history ends in the garden-like city, the New Jerusalem. Now, up to this point, the New Jerusalem seems to be the scenic wonder of jewels and stones and and diamonds and colors and, and prisms and walls and gates. We've looked at all of that. And up to this point, if you will... It could seem a bit cold. It could seem not cold in temperature, but but cold in appearance, sterile, if you will. 
Because there's walls and stone and diamond and, and that kind of thing. And it can seem impersonal and kind of sterile. But we notice here in Revelation chapter 22, notice we see now some greenery. This greenery now begins to add some softness to this city. Now remember, there was a river in the Garden of Eden, you know that. And from this river in the Garden of Eden, there were four branches that went into four rivers. There in the garden, listen, there was plenty of water. There was plenty of water, but it's interesting that there in the garden, although there was plenty of water, none of that water was ever referred to as the water of life. None of it was referred to as the river of life. But notice here in chapter 22, the new Jerusalem, there's a river of water of life and God's throne is its fountain providing that water. Interesting. So John, he sees this bright, dazzling new city. The angel shows John around the new Jerusalem and he sees a river that is clear as crystal, a river that is pure a river that is undefiled, a river that is pollute, not polluted. Man has never seen a river like this. This is different than the Noose River. You knew that, didn't you? This is different than Jordan Lake. You guys remember we had that baptism at Jordan Lake. I was telling them at the first couple of services. And we had that baptism at Jordan Lake. And you remember, the water was nasty. It was just nasty. I mean, when you went out, it was all murky and cloudy. And then when you walked out into, into the water, you know some of those areas there, it was really marshy. And when you're walking out in the water, it's like... It's, it was like, oh. And I'm the pastor now. I got to be the first one in the water, you know? And I'm walking out there going... God, this is nasty. I don't know what to tell you, God. You're going to have to anoint the floor, the water. Something's going to happen. And then the ladies are going, this is a spiritual moment. I mean, people are getting baptized in the Jordan. And, you know, this is a spiritual moment here. People are coming out in the water. Oh, and it's like, you know, it's nice, nice spiritual moment. And I look in the ladies' faces who are coming out, and they're going, and they get out there and they're just standing like this and I said don't worry we'll get through this alright here I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and then they come up nasty and it is it really is sorry But in the New Jerusalem, it's not nasty. It's not defiled. It's not polluted. It is a river that is pure. And why is it pure, Rodney? Well, because it comes from the throne of God. And because it comes from the throne of God, it is pure and it is abundant. There's plenty of it. Now, water in the Bible, if you're a note taker, you should write this down. Maybe go do your homework. But water in the Bible is an interesting Bible study. And water is used symbolically in the Bible for many different things. For example, the Bible teaches that the river or water, if you're taking notes, is a symbol of richness, 
provision, pleasure, and prosperity. Water is a symbol or symbolic of richness, provision, pleasure, and prosperity. Well, David said it like this in Psalm 36, verse 8. They are abundantly satisfied, David says, with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the rivers of your pleasures. And I like that. And again, if you're taking those, look it up in your own time. Psalm 46, verse 4 through 5. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of this city. She shall not be moved. God shall help this city just at the break of dawn. Richness, provision, pleasure, and prosperity. Well, not only richness, provision, pleasure, and prosperity, but also the river is a term that describes the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus who said in John chapter 7, verse 39, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out. Now understand, Jesus is on the temple stairs and there are people gathered around. And Jesus begins to, he takes this pitcher, this big pot of water, this cistern of water, and he begins to pour it out before the people. And as the water pours and rolls down the steps, Jesus begins began to shout. It's not like he said it in a low voice. Jesus began to cry out and he said, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers or torrents of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit. So water is used to describe the Holy Spirit. Well, not only is the river symbolic or water symbolic of the Holy Spirit, but get this, water is symbolic of Jesus Christ himself, of Jesus. Now, you might remember the story, John chapter 4, yesterday at the men's breakfast, we were in this chapter in detail. But in John chapter 4, I love this is one of the best stories. You should read this like in your devotion tonight or tomorrow morning. But the Bible says that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. He had to go through the region, the territory of Samaria. Why? Because he had some ministry to do. There was a lady there. And this lady, she was a woman that was rejected by the Jews. This woman had five husbands. She got around. Almost as many husbands as Liz Taylor. You know, speaking of Liz Taylor, did you see a report on 2020 about, I want to say about a couple weeks ago, they, she, they were looking at her jewelry. Did you see this report? And, and, and oh, she had, oh, all, Barbara Walters is there, and Barbara says, well, now, Liz, well, did you get... All of those stones and jewelry. And she, Liz Taylor says, all from all of my husbands, of course, darling. You know. And she's standing there and she got diamond earrings on. It's like down to here and out to there. You know what I mean? These huge, long diamond earrings, you know. And she says, oh, I got them all from my husband. Well, how much would your jewelry and all your stones, how much are they worth? 
And she says, oh, I don't know, 80 to $150 million. That much jewelry. Oh, 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 wow. Oh, all that jewelry. Oh, it's just unbelievable. And they just went on and on and on about that jewelry. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? These people apparently don't read the Bible because, you know what? Uh, 80 to $150 million is chump change compared to the jewels in heaven. Chapter 21, go read it for yourself. It's unbelievable. And look, the, the gate in heaven is all pearl. Remember I told you it was 1,500 miles high. Can you imagine a pearl that big? That's where we get the pearly gates. Oh, your jewelry, your jewelry, that is nothing, nothing compared to what we'll receive in heaven. And this is the message that Jesus went to tell the woman who came out to the well because she was thirsty. She was out there to quench her thirst to draw water, which is a sermon in itself. And he says to the woman at the well who was rejected by men, but received by Jesus, he meets this woman and he says to her in John chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up unto eternal life. Jesus said to the woman, listen, if you draw from this well, and I, and I know Jesus was an awesome preacher, and, and Jesus probably was pointing to the well as he said, whoever drinks of this well, listen, if you drink of this well again, you will thirst again. He says, but the water that I'm going to give you, that I can give you, he says, you'll never thirst again. In other words, Jesus is the ultimate thirst quencher. Amen. Amen. And he said to that woman, he said, you drink of that water, you'll get thirsty again. Now, was Jesus saying that if the woman works out really hard at the gym and really thirsty, she's not going to want to have water? No. Well, that's not what he was saying. When Jesus talks about thirst, he's talking about a deep dissatisfaction that you feel on the inside. It's a gnawing and an empty feeling that you try and fill with physical things. Someone once said that every man is created and born with a God-shaped hole in their life, and only God can fill it. Nothing. People are trying to fill and quench that thirst with all kinds of things. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, you know, all kinds of things. People are looking for that thirst quencher, that thrill. You know, quench that thirst, bungee jumping. People are trying to go, why would anybody bungee jump? Fear factor. People looking for something to satisfy them. Why would anybody eat sheep eyeballs? That's disgusting. Or, or allow themselves to be put in this big tank up with snakes. Oh. No, I have a fear, a fear factor. I mean, I'm just fearful. No, but these are people seeking to satisfy this, this spiritual longing that they have in their soul. Many things that, that people use to quench their thirst. And Jesus says to the woman at the well, and he's saying to you this morning, he is the only one that can satisfy that thirsty soul of yours. Only Jesus. Well, then God said to his people in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, 
For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have hewn for themselves cisterns or vessels. Broken cisterns, God said, that can hold no water. You see, people are drawing water from broken cisterns. And if you're feeling dry this morning, dry this afternoon, it's because you're drawing from the cisterns of your own reservoir. You need to draw on Jesus. Jesus will and can replace those dry places in dry times, and he can bring refreshment. Jesus is the river of life. Amen? He is the river of life. Now, check with me here. We've been talking about the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. When Christ will come before the new heaven and the new earth are established, Christ will come, the Bible says, and he will put his feet on the Mount of Olives and he will reign over the earth for 1,000 years. Now, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4 says this, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. That's the hill that Jesus resurrected from, by the way which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives, note this, shall split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it shall move toward the south. Well, then we move down to verse 8 of that same chapter. And in that day, it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem. Half of them toward the eastern sea and half of them toward the western sea. In both summer and winter, it shall occur. In other words, part of the river will flow to the Mediterranean Sea and part of the river will flow to the Dead Sea. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Israel. I've been a couple of times and have gone to the Dead Sea and gotten in the waters of the Dead Sea. And you cannot drown in the Dead Sea. It's not possible. Because of the salt content, it causes you to just float. Now, if you were around when I showed you pictures of my trip to Israel, you remember Michelle's laughing because it's like funny pictures. But I'm in the Dead Sea and I got my feet up in the air, my hands up in the air, and I'm just kind of bobbing in the water, you know. And then I kind of flipped over and I'm on my stomach and my hands are up and my feet are up in the back and I'm still just bobbing in the water. But you, you can read a newspaper, you can read a book in the Dead Sea. You cannot drown in the Dead Sea because it is dead and of the salt content. Now the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 47, it tells us that when Jesus puts his feet, listen, stay with me, on the Mount of Olives and the mountain split, the Bible says, according to Ezekiel 47, that with that split, it will bring healing to the Dead Sea. And the flow of fresh water will cause the Dead Sea to come to life. Well, listen, when Ezekiel saw this there in chapter 47, he saw it in the spirit. When he saw this in Ezekiel 47, a man appeared to Ezekiel. And this man said to Ezekiel, he said, come here. And the man took a measuring tool and he measured a thousand cubics. And he told Ezekiel to come in. Well, Ezekiel came in and the water was up to his ankles. 
Well, then the man said, Ezekiel, come on out a little further. He measured another thousand cubits. Ezekiel, Ezekiel, come on out. And the water came up to his knees. Well, then he measured another thousand cubits. And Ezekiel, come on out. And the water came up to his waist. And then yet even a fourth time. He measured a thousand cubics. Ezekiel, come on out, man, a little bit further. And guess what? The water was over his head. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit has tucked away a little truth in there for us. The truth would be this. It's time for us Christians. Listen, if you're a Christian, listen to me very closely. It is time for us Christians, folks, to go in a little further. It's time to go in a little further. And here's, here it is. God won't force you to go any further than you want to go. God won't force you. And God, he will take you as deep as you want to go. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.